Well, good morning and welcome, welcome. We are glad you're here. Uh, you've decided to, to spend Sunday morning here with us at Liberty Church, Holly Pond, so welcome. Go ahead and look at your neighbor if you got one and just tell them Merry Christmas. Yes, Christmas is here. It's, it's closer this Sunday than it was last Sunday, and we get closer each and every uh, day as it comes and goes. It's crazy. I don't know where this year went. Is there something wrong with this side of the room, or is it just me? We got all of our people sitting over here. Sorry, it's a rabbit trail. Uh, so Christmas is upon us, y'all, uh, and I'm really excited. Uh, I'm ready for it. I'm excited for this morning to bring the word. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, and we kicked off a new series titled Christmas Prayers last week, so we are on part two uh, this morning. And so, y'all, there's nothing more special uh, than the season of Christmas. It's a special time of the year. There's, there's really no other season like Christmas. Really, it's, it's a foundational thing. It's just ingrained as little kids. We, it's just a magical time of year. We feel like anything is possible this time of year. Or is that just me? It's special. You know, and so we're, we've really been using the backdrop of the Christmas story throughout the Gospels uh, as really what we're looking at and studying from and looking at because it is so important that, is, that this season of Christmas that we celebrate the fact that God sent His one and only, His best, into the world for you and for me. He sent His best so that you and me could be found not guilty and set free and promised eternal life. John 3.16, I don't care what you think, I think it's a Christmas scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only so that whoever believed in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So we celebrate that fact, that God did that for us at Christmas. So there's nothing more, uh, there's no uh, more special story, there's nothing more special than the story of Christmas. So we are taking that, and we are combining that with the most special thing, your most, the, the most powerful thing that you have a direct connection to God the Father every day is your prayer life. Let me say that again. The most important thing to keep you connected to God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, is your prayer life. And so we are combining the most special thing, the most special gift that ever was given, Jesus Christ, and your prayer life. And we are looking at him together. How can we become better prayers? How can our relationship with God be cultivated to a, 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 a better place, a higher place, a healthier place, a stronger place? place as we look at uh, the Christmas story uh, and glean from it how can we usher in to that to that new place this Christmas season and last week y'all remember we we handed out snowflakes and we hung them on our Christmas trees if you missed last week uh, we actually have some extra snowflakes so you can get one before the service is over and all we did was we put our names on it and I asked you to put a scripture on there too if you wanted to, and those signify, these, these white snowflakes in our Christmas trees, they signify a particular prayer, something that you are believing for a miracle this Christmas season. Something for your personal life, something for somebody else. And so we did that last week. And at the end of service today, our last worship song, we are going to use that time to be praying for those prayers that we put before the Lord last week. Amen? And if you missed last week, you can still get one. We have them in the back. Uh, we, can, we can give you one, and you can, you can do that this morning, too. Amen? So that's what we did, and that's where we're going to be picking up uh, where we left off last week. Let's go ahead and recap a little bit before we get into the new part of our message this morning. Go ahead, look at your neighbor if you got one, and tell them, say, here we go. Okay, so our first point, uh, we asked, what is a Christmas prayer? We define that. So what are Christmas prayers? Christmas prayers are prayers scripted, say scripted. From the story of Christmas, the scripture becomes our script of our prayers. So that's literally what, what we want to do, what we want to move into by, by looking at the Christmas story, using the scripture, the word of God, what God says, how can we uh, go boldly into his presence and pray and feel like he actually is hearing what I'm saying. He hears my heart. I align my heart with his instead of Going into our prayer rooms and, and, and feeling like our prayers can't even get out the ceiling because we're so distracted and discouraged and filled with fear and shame and guilt and maybe we have sin in our lives and we're really crawling into our, our prayer rooms, our throne rooms, our, our prayer closets. So we're going to talk about that this morning too and how we can move out of that and really using the scriptures 
to become our script. Because y'all, I want us to take back what would happen if the church, if, if Liberty Church, if the church uh, in a broad spectrum in the world took over, took back this season and, and the rest of this year and the rest of next year prophesying, declaring what God is going to do through our prayers. Praying and we talked last week really about Christmas prayers being a prophetic prayer. We're going to look at that here in a moment too. And how we can uh, pray and declare and prophesy uh, the future. Creating new paths, new places where, where God wants to take people. And calling the best out of people. And seeing the best in people. And, and, and drawing that out as we, as we uh, lift these people's names onto the Lord. Or lift these circumstances onto the Lord. We want to take back this season and this year and claiming it. For prayer. And we also said that we, we want to move from a wish list mentality. Does anybody make wish lists, Christmas wish lists? Or am I the only one? It's fun to do. You write down all the stuff you want, right? So we want to, don't we go to God with our wish lists sometimes? We got to move out of that mentality of going to God with our wish lists and going to God with our bold prayers. Get out of that wish list mentality and live a life of prayer, a prayerful life. The Word says pray without ceasing as we worship Him and honor Him and give Him praise. As we, as we tackle life and do things day in and, and day out. Because it's our prayer life that is going to change things. Your wish list isn't going to change a thing. It's our prayer life that's going to change things. Y'all, and you know, really, if you think it about it, as, as Pastor Jessica was saying, we have so much to be thankful for. And if we believe in Jesus, anybody believe in Jesus? Y'all, it's really Christmas 365 days a year. If you woke up and you have breath in your body, if you woke up and you have any amount of health in your body, if you woke up in a warm bed this morning, if you woke up in a house that had a warm air or cool air, however you like it. Y'all, we are blessed. We have to be thankful. And y'all, anything is possible this Christmas season. Because if we believe in Jesus, anything is possible all year round. All year round. Let's go ahead and look at that, uh, that next point. Another recap point that we said last week. So we said Christmas prayers are prophetic prayers. They declare. Say declare. declare. Identity over activity. They call those things that do not exist as though they did. They create your desired future. They build up. They encourage. And they comfort. So this is really kind of where we hung out last week. That, that Christmas prayers we said are prophetic uh, prayers. They declare identity over activity, and they call those things that don't exist as though they did, and they create a desired future. They build up in courage and comfort. This is really what we want to move into. This is how we wanted to begin to live our lives and how we want to uh, pray and speak and commune and talk with God every day. Y'all, we have to declare the identity of who God calls His people not declare and say what people are actually doing and how their lives actually look. We have to call them and raise them up to a higher standard and call them what God called them first. We studied that the angels prophesied that Jesus was to be named Jesus first. And then Joseph and Mary called Jesus Jesus because that's what God called him first. And so we declare and prophesy uh, and pray for people based on their identity in Christ. If they have breath, if they have life in their body, they are still called and chosen of God. They have gifts, they have talents, they're anointed to do something that only they can do. And so we have to be better than the world. We got to have Christ in us to see that and call that out in others and love on people, especially in this Christmas season, to be different, to stand out. And we have to call those things that don't exist as though that they do. That's what being prophetic is. We are saying that this is, is not yet happened, but it's going to by faith. 
God, I stand on your word. God, I, I know what, you, what you've said and spoken over them. I call your best out in them, Father. Give them mercy. Give them grace, God, to live another day. God, to see and meet your truth, who is Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. And so we stand and believe in that, in that place, that gap of faith where, where we're standing and believing and we're stepping towards the future and it hasn't happened yet, but we are praying, declaring, prophesying. We are creating and recreating uh, new destinations, new paths. And then as we do that, we build up, we comfort, and we encourage those alongside of us. So that's how we want to pray and how we want to live. We want to prophesy, declare, and create. Amen. I mean, that's it on the recap. Let's go ahead and, and look at our uh, scripture for this morning. It comes out of the Christmas story, again out of Luke 2, uh, 6 through 18. At verse 6 there, it says, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. Y'all, when I read this, still when I read it, it breaks my heart. That the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the one and only begotten Son, the perfect spotless Lamb, that the world that He's literally being born into, coming to, to save, is rejecting Him even as a baby. There was no lodging available for the King of kings, for the Lord of lords, for the Messiah. The best we have for him is a, a stable on straw and strips of cloth. Y'all, the enemy was after Jesus from the beginning. Amen. But God still sent his son. And Jesus still loved us. And the world accepted him. Amen. At verse 8 it says, The night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And in the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. Say good news. That will bring great joy among all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Y'all have to realize the significance of what this angel is declaring, saying, prophesying. Because this Savior, this Messiah is who, who Israel, the Israelites have been praying, living and dying and fasting for, for, for years, for hundreds of years. And they're saying, declaring, He is here. He's among us. It's happened. And the heaven rejoices. In verse 12 it says, And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those who God is pleased. Y'all, when the, when, when, when the presence of Jesus Christ invades the earth, you can't help but praise him in Jesus' name. You can't help but get fired up. And these angels were so excited and, 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 they, and they praised and glorified Jesus because he was worthy and, and, and honor of that praise and glory. But I believe that they did it to confirm and affirm that yes, this is the Son of God. They give uh, him their stamp of approval for the shepherds and all that would see and hear to say, you know what, go tell every single person that you can because this is legit. This is my son. This is the Messiah. He's here. This is real. And you better believe they went and did that just thing here. Verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. I think that's probably an understatement. They went and told anyone who would listen. Let's go ahead and look at our first new point this morning. So Christmas prayers are prayers of praise. We praise God because He is worthy of 
praise. He is worthy of praise. His presence declares praise. And when we truly recognize who Jesus is and what he has done for you and for me, we can't help but praise him. And I don't think we're ever going to truly, fully understand everything that he has done for us until we enter in one day in the gates of heaven and just our minds, our spiritual uh, angelic bodies and minds will be blown with love and compassion. We will say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know that there are creatures in heaven covered in eyeballs that, that completely go around the throne of God, 365, uh, every single day from now till the end of eternity saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty for eternity because he is worthy to be praised. Did you know that as you pray, you are supposed to praise? We're not supposed to just go to God with our wish lists and our junk. You can do that. But we are supposed to enter into his presence with praise and thanksgiving first. To remember who he is. When we truly recognize who Jesus is, he is worthy of your praise. Do you know that Jesus doesn't even owe you or me or us anything else from here on out? Do you know that he's already paid it all? He's paid the price. He doesn't owe you or me anything else. Y'all know that really what he has done for us, we can see ourselves standing in, in heavenly places in a courtroom. And the accuser, the, the, the accuser of the brethren, the devil, the enemy, who rose around like a lion, seeking what you can kill, steal, and destroy, is going to point his finger. He's actually going to be right to say, you know what? So-and-so has sinned and sinned and done this and this and this, and he didn't love your people. He didn't read your word. He didn't do this for you. He denied you, and he will be right. Because Ian did all those things. But you know how good Jesus is, why he's worthy to be praised? Because on that day, he's going he's gonna to stand up. He's, he's going to be like our lawyer, the best lawyer money can buy. How about the best lawyer blood can buy and a broken body can buy? And he's going to say, you know what, you're actually right and, and you have legal ground, but, you know, I love him so much that I'm going to take his penalty. Whatever it is, I'm going to go instead. He doesn't owe us anything. Here on out. His sacrifice has to be enough for you to praise him. His sacrifice has to be enough for you to praise him. Let's read Revelations 4.11. It says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. Say all things. And by your will they exist and were created. He created all things. See, each and every good thing that's ever happened in your life happened by him, through him, for him, for you and for me. And like I said earlier, if, if we're living, if we have breath in our, our lungs today, we need to be thankful. And what happens is a lot of times, if we feel like we're losing our, our, our praise, it's because we, we forgot who our God is and what he's done for us. And maybe we're doing a lot of that stuff on our own. And maybe some of us actually stepped into that place of, of thinking that, you know what, maybe I've done some of this on my own and begin to take some of the credit for what God has done in my life. And that's how the enemy comes in and steals, kills, and destroys your praise from your lips. Because if I can take the credit then it makes me feel better. God needs to get the credit for each and every good thing. And if you're not praising Him, you're probably praising something or someone else. What are you spending your, your time, your money, your energies on? Are, are, are you are you living a life where you're, you're standing on what you've done? Are you praising yourself? And we live in a pretty crazy day and age right now where it's just really all about uh, self-promotion. Uh, you know, you got to promote yourself, but it, it can get really out of whack real quick. 
and God's supposed to be up here and we're putting people and, and things and places in our jobs and all these things in the place where God is supposed to be at the highest place, the name above all names, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Or, you know, it could even be a person. You know, sometimes we can have the ability to put our, our, our spouses in the place of God and, and, and when I make my spouse my God, I find myself, my joy and, and my peace and all that hinders on them if they're keeping me happy or not. When they don't make me happy, then I'm mad and frustrated and angry. And when they make me happy, I give them praise. And we'll do the same thing with God. When, he, when he's doing what I want, when I'm asking and, and, and answering the prayers that I'm asking and, and, and meeting according to my timeline and my schedule, and he's, he's, he feel like he's, he's in my corner doing my thing, I praise him. And then when I feel like I'm in the desert and there's nobody around and I'm lost, I'm fighting this battle by myself like he's left me forsaking, which he hasn't done, I get mad at him. Our praise has to be the steadiest flow of prayer that we have. It has to be constant. A constant flow of praise as we pray. Let's read Revelations 5.9. It says, and they sang a new song. Say new song. Saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Do y'all know sometimes you have to sing a new song to declare a new season? You have to begin to sing a new song of praise to usher yourself into a new place, into a new season of, what, what, of life and what God is doing in your life and where he's, he's taking you. Some of us are just going to God with our same old song. <laughs> oh, Lord. Took my dog again. Can't pay the bills. Like that country song. Oh, Lord. Yeah. God, how am I going to do it? You know, when you pray the country song backwards, you get everything back dog back, you get your job back, you get your girlfriend back. Y'all, we're going to God and we, we, we give him our less thans and our unqualifieds and our, our fears and our, our rejections and y'all, you can do that. But y'all, we need to go in with, with praise of a new song and we're going to look at what happens when we do that. When we praise him for who he is, some things, some things happen. Some changes can be made we become uh, me made in a right place again. We, we put God where he's supposed to be and we put ourselves back where we're supposed to be. When we begin to sing a new song of praise, we can move into a new season. Let's look at that uh, next point uh, for us this morning. Praise reminds us of who he is and what he has done. Y'all, when you enter into his presence and you begin to thank him for what he's done and you begin to start seeing uh, the blessings of your life, uh, the job that you have, the family that you have, the friends that you have, your marriage, uh, your ministries, your health, uh, your house, your car, all these things. When you begin to enter in first with, with thanksgiving and praise, y'all, you'll begin to see who he really is. That he does love you, that he is with you, that he does care for you. And not only does it remind us of who he is and what he's done in your life, it begins to fill you with faith and you can stand and say, you know what, he's did it before, he's going to do it again. And also, it doesn't just remind us of who he is and what he's going to do, it reminds me, it reminds Ian of who I am and who I'm not and why I need him. It reminds me of who I am. Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't do that. You did that, God. Thank you, Lord. I remember God, I praise you. I thank you. God, without you, I can, apart from you, I can do nothing. God, you're, you're merely the vine and I am just simply a branch. You are the lifeblood, God, and I'm just connected to you. God, let me become part of what you're doing. God, I want to do what you're doing. And when we do that, it reminds us of who he is and what he's done, and we become connected with that. And so as we pray, as we praise, we remember and that's so important on why we got to be praying and praising every single 
day. Because if you don't, you're going to forget not who he is. You're going to forget who you are also in Christ. And you're going to find yourself bitter, full of resentment, full of jealousy, pointing the finger, using other people as your God, using other things as your God, feeling less than, feeling frustrated, feeling angry. Because you haven't spent an ounce, a, a second, five minutes, five seconds at his feet and desperation to worship him for who he is. Y'all remember uh, the woman who, who poured out all her, her olive oil on the feet of Jesus and washed her, his feet with her hair? With love and compassion and praise? And everybody else looked at her and said, look at this. The stupid woman really is what they said. She knew who God was. When was the last time that you spent two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, shut the phone off, shut the lights off, shut the computer off, shut the TV off, sat at his, his presence, at his feet, and began to worship him and praise him for who he is, poured everything out that you had in love on him, and got so lost and enveloped in his presence that he didn't even want to leave? Or think about the woman that was healed, that was, was making her way through the crowds of people, crawling on her hands and knees and through the mud and through the people, just to get to the garment of his robe, just to touch Jesus. And with that type of desperation, what happened? Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Are you crawling into his presence in desperation because you love him and because you need him and you're not asking anything from him? You just want to meet with him and sit with him and love him? Or are you going, crawling into your prayer room thinking, man, I, I got all this stuff I got to do. I got, uh, I'll give you five minutes, God. And the whole five minutes, you're just thinking in your mind of everything you got to do and what you're not doing and what's not getting done and how you don't feel any different and how God's not speaking. And if he would just speak, and all he wants us to do is worship him for who he is. And when you begin to worship him for who he is, you'll remember who he is and what he's done. And then God can speak and move in your life. Not before that. Let's read Deuteronomy 4.9. It says, but watch out, be careful never to forget, say forget, what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. They're speaking to the, all the Israelites. It was funny how God would move and, and, and deliver them in miraculous ways, part the Red Sea, get them through there, feed them manna fresh from heaven every single day from nothing. And, and they move and they live and they, they forget all the things that God did in their lives. We're the same way. And in the scripture it's saying, don't forget what God has done in your life. Preach it, proclaim it, live on it, stand on it, thank him every single day. And the scripture even challenges us farther. And it says, make sure that your children hear you say this too. So that they can know what God has done. Y'all better believe that my kids are going to know what Jesus has done for Ian in his life. The year and a half spent living in Teen Challenge. <laughs> Another year and a half living at the Sunshine House. To get where I am today. And it was tough and it was hard and it was dark and it was, it was kind of crazy. And, and it was all because of the sin that I chose. But y'all, anyone been through an encounter? Now, we defeated some of those generational sins and curses. We left them at the cross. They're defeated. They're under the blood. But it's still my responsibility to never forget myself and to never let my children never not hear what God has done in my life. Y'all know what one of the most precious memories I have at the Sunshine House and Teen Challenge? We had a, an hour slotted every single day after dinner. Uh, you could go into the, we had a, uh, this prayer garden or this, uh, this little sanctuary and we had an hour, and you spent that hour, you could read your Bible or you could pray. And it was set aside for prayer. I know some of y'all are thinking an hour of prayer, you just cringed on the inside. But my most, some of my best memories, my biggest breakthroughs were in those moments of prayer. I can remember God showing me my family. 
giving me visions as I was praying in the spirit, reading his word and in a desperate place. And Teen Challenge, I didn't have a thing. All I had was my clothes. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a place to live. That was my everything. God was my everything. When God is your everything, man, you will experience breakthrough. If he's not your everything, you're going to find yourself frustrated. Some of us have to move back to that place of remembering who he is in our lives. Do you really believe that this Jesus guy came for you? Do you really believe it? This Christmas season, man, we can take this season back for what it really means and give ourselves back to him and to the world. Let's read Psalms 103, 1 through 5. It says, a psalm of David, let all that I am, all that I am, praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills, say fills, my life with good things. God is good. I feel like a lot of us sometimes we feel like if I choose God, I'm going to miss out on all this fun. That is a lie from the enemy. I remember when I first got saved and born again and I, I was like, I made my heart up. I was like, I'm really going to quit drinking. I had been living this way since I was 17, 18 years old, just partying, living the lifestyle. And I thought, it scared me. I said, I believed, I knew God. I, I, I believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And I was born again. But I, I was thinking later, how am I not going to have any fun without drinking? Every single thing that I did, I did while I was drinking. It was a birthday party. It was this, it was that, it was that. Y'all, when you live for God, man, he makes your life better. He makes, all that stuff is just stuff. It ain't worth it. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It might be fun and games at first, but it'll take you farther than you ever thought. And you'll find yourself in a pig pen, eating slop, a called as a king and a queen of the most high, forgot who you are because you lost sight of who your father is. He loves you. He wants to, he wants to give you the keys of the kingdom. He wants to uh, bless you. You get to live a blessed life here and get to live in eternity with him. That's a win-win to me. Y'all, and as we, as we praise him through our prayer, something happens where we remember who he is and remember who we are, and when we remember who he is and who we are, y'all, that's what compels us to go ahead and remind others who he is and who they are. If you don't sit at his feet, you don't praise him and worship for who he is, figure out and remember day in and day out on a daily basis who God is and where you're at and what season you're in and what you're supposed to be doing for your family and for him, then you're not going to go tell people at work and the people at Walmart and everybody else you come in contact with who he is and who they're called to be either. When we're filled with his presence, y'all, we will testify for his glory. If you're not filled up, if you're running on empty, if you haven't sat at his feet and you're on empty, y'all are going to be living in the shadows. Not making a change, not making an impact, not making a difference. Angry at God, probably frustrated. Feeling shame, feeling guilt. Feeling the weight of your sin of being disconnected to the one and only one who loves you. And that is a scheme of the enemy on your life. I can't say that enough. Because when you find yourself in that place, you get farther and farther and farther away from God. Y'all, and that is a scary place to be. I've been there. When you come to know his truth, deny his truth, you get worse and worse and worse. So look at that next point. I love this. The Lord was showing me this. So praise invites his presence and releases the spirit of prophecy. Really last week, that's really where we hung out. We said that Christmas prayers are prophetic prayers. We speak and de declare and decree the things are, that are not as though that they are. 
And the Lord was showing me that we can't properly prophesy if we haven't invited his presence first. Let me go ahead and read Psalms 22.3. It says, But thou art holy, O thou inhabitest the praises of Israel. We'll give y'all a little King James version this morning. Y'all know that the word inhabit literally means to live with. To live with. So if we haven't invited him uh, in by praising him first, inviting his presence into our lives to come live with us, then we can't properly prophesy because if he's not living within us, we can't properly see the way that God sees. We can't hear the way that God hears. Some of us have actually been thinking that we're prophesying but really, all we've been doing is speaking positively in the flesh in Jesus' name. And we wonder why nothing's happening, why nothing's changing, because we haven't sat at his feet and praised him and worshipped him and loved him enough to know who he is to have his presence come into my life to be able to see the way that God sees, to know how to pray, declare, create, and prophesy over this situation or this person on how it needs to be. Because I'm just praying, speaking positively in my flesh, in Jesus' name. <laughs> and nothing's changing. And God, I prayed in Jesus' name. And God's probably sitting there thinking, man, you haven't sat at my feet for two minutes. And worship me, you don't know the will of God for that situation, for your life, for that person's life. We don't need to be praying for that person. We're speaking positively, yeah, that's okay, that's good and dandy. Your positivity ain't going to change a thing. Only he can change what needs to be changed. And so it's our praise that invites his presence and releases it then, say then. Releases the spirit of prophecy. Y'all, we can't be walking around like a wild Bill Christians just praying, decreeing, prophesying. I mean, if you've been in your word and you've sat at his feet and you've been talking with him, man, go do that. Go pray, go, go declare. But man, if we haven't sat at his feet, how dare we? Y'all, that's actually uh, a form of manipulation, which can be translated into witchcraft, which is a sin. Y'all, we might be accountable to that if we, we speak that over somebody and they are going in the wrong way. And they're listening to you because, well, so-and-so goes to church every Sunday. And they take your word as God's word. So we need to definitely be in praise and prayer as we're speaking life, encouraging people, pushing them into the things of God. Y'all, and it's his presence alone that changes things. It's his presence alone that brings the calm to the storm. If you don't have his presence, man, you're going to find yourself pulling out your hair. Y'all remember the, 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 the disciples in the, in, in the boat with Jesus? The storm come upon them. Jesus wasn't sweating it. He's just asleep in the, in the bottom of the boat. And they, I'm sure they probably tried to do every single thing possible they could before waking up, you know, the Son of God. Because he probably needed to sleep. They're probably like, yeah, let's, let's try and go. Uh, this, is, this is imminent, man. We'll wake him up. And you know what? It was just when they, when, when they instantly invited his presence, the presence of the Son of God, he said, peace, be still. And some of us need to just invite him into our lives, into that storm, into that situation. You've been frustrated. You're battling. You're, you're, you've been punching air and you're, you're, you don't know what to do. And you, you forgot to just invite him in. Lord, I praise you, God. Come in to my situation and you will experience peace and life and love and a sound mind and faith and hope to keep on trucking because Jesus got you. I love his presence. And do you know his presence changes so much? <laughs> Not only changes our lives, it has the ability to change the world. 
But do you know how you've been in his presence? Do you know how you've been in the presence of the God Almighty who said, let there be? You won't want to leave. Am I speaking to anybody? You won't want to leave. That is when you know you have met with him. When you are praying and, and you are worshiping and you are thanking him and you're thinking, I got to go to work. I, I got to do this. Y'all, you know, uh, this place is not your home. This is a temporary stead. And when you are in his presence, you feel at home and you don't want to leave because that's your home. You're in heavenly places. That's why you don't want to leave, because you're in heavenly places. That's your home. And you better believe the enemy knows that, and that is why he is trying to get you not to go into this place of prayer every single day. Because if he can keep you out of there, he can keep you living for him and living for the world. Nothing changes. You're miserable. But if you could just sit at his feet, you'd leave fire. You'd have to leave. Yeah, it, it stinks when you got to go, but... When you just feel energized, you feel filled with his spirit. God, I got this. Whatever, Throw whatever at me today, God. I know you got me. I'm favored. I'm anointed. I'm called. And then the next morning when you wake up, you're thinking, you know what? Can't wait to get in his presence. Meet with my father, my bro Jesus, and this dude named the Holy Spirit. And he's got me. Now let's read Revelations 19, 9-10. It says, And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said, the angel, Don't worship me, I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. So I said, when, when we sit at his feet, we invite his presence, we remember who he is, remember who we are, that really jumpstarts us to help others remember who they are and who God is. And really, this scripture is saying that the essence of, of prophecy, we're talking about Christmas prayers being prophetic, is, is, is just that, sharing Jesus, who he is in the world, sharing the story of Christmas, essentially, to the world, is the essence of prophecy. The Lord was showing me that we can literally, we literally uh, prophesy the future based on our past victories. Because when you share those, those testimonies, those things of what Jesus has done in your life, it restores hope to the now, to your spirit, to whoever you're sharing it with, to the world. And then and when, you, when you share Jesus, you're putting the ball in, in the world's court. And you never know what can happen. But I want to challenge you also. With, with, with talking about testimonies and what testimonies are, do you know that your testimony is like, a, like an updated resume of your life? Anybody have a resume? Nobody. We're all jobless. <laughs> or you got a really good job, you don't need it no more, right? So we update that thing. You update it with your schooling and the last job you did, and it's got to be a constant update. As you live life, you're, you're doing things. As we live for, for God, we have victories. We have milestones. We have, we're doing these things. If, if, if the last victory you can remember is, is, is five months ago, five years ago, 15 years ago, y'all, are we really living for Jesus? Y'all, we, we need to be getting victories every single day. If that's the only victory I have from five, ten years ago, it has the ability to change and bring hope. But am I really living for God if that's the only thing I can thank him for or, or think about or share? God's continually writing a new story in our lives every day. Every day. Let's look at that last point. I love this. So praise eradicates fear. It cultivates faith and produces corresponding action. Say action. Y'all, this is why we need God. Because he's bigger than anything that we're ever going to face, try and conquer. He, he's bigger than it all. 
And it's our praise, the Lord was showing me, is what has the ability to eradicate those things in our life, to keep us connected with him. It are, you begin to praise God for who he is, y'all, you're not going to be fearful no more. God's going to replace that fear with, with a boldness and a confidence and reassurance. If you begin to praise him, he's going to eradicate your shame, your guilt, your condemnation, your sin. He begins to wash that away with his blood as you remember who he is, as you praise him. And as that happens, what happens? Your faith begins to, you get, begin to get stirred up. And you begin to, to, to trust him more and, and say, you know what, I'll do whatever you say, God. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And it begins to produce corresponding action where my feet actually begin to move. You know, it's your praise that has the ability to bend God's ear. Anybody ever had anything nice said about you? feels good when someone just comes alongside you, pat your back, and just kind of gloats on you, you know, and says, man, you're doing so good. You know, we're created in the image of God, right? That's what Genesis says. And, and in saying that, I feel like I, I know in my spirit that God likes being told that he's, he's good. <laughs> I think it makes him feel good. And so as we tell him that he's good, y'all, something changes. His ear begins to, to bend to us, and he bends to his praises. But it's our faith that moves by corresponding action that moves God. Because when God moves enough in my life to move me, and God lives inside of me because I've been spending my time worshiping and praising him, and he inhabits those he praises, then God moves. Then God's on the mood. I'm filled up. The world's filled up. The world's brighter, less dark, and God wins. Amen. Can we get the worship team to make your way? I got one more scripture I want to share with us. It comes out of Joshua 1.9. I love this scripture. Probably a lot of y'all read it, know it. It says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Say, do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Y'all, we celebrate Christmas and he's with us wherever we go because God had to send his son first, which we read this morning through the, the disguise of a, a, a precious little baby in a manger for you and for me. And we can stand on the scripture because he went to the cross and died for you and for me and I know that he's with me wherever I go because I believe in him. And I've accepted him in my life and I praise him on a daily basis and I worship him on a daily basis and he works and he's alive in my life. And so whatever you are, you are going through, he is with you. Whatever prayer we put on these, these snowflakes, he is with you in that for them or for you, whatever that prayer is. Y'all, what can't we do? What can't we accomplish? If God be with me, who be against me? Who be against us? God is with us. And if you feel alone, if you feel disconnected, if you feel like you know that you and God ain't right, man, why keep fighting and doing this on your own? Why keep doing it on your own? Man, that can change. All you have to do is invite his presence. Invite Jesus into your situation. Invite Jesus into your heart. Invite him into your life. Y'all, and you'll begin to praise him. You need to praise him first, though, because he's worthy. He's worthy. Amen. Can we get the lights dimmed down? Fixing to go ahead and close. And as we usher into our last moment of worship, uh, I really want us to, to focus and pray about those things that we, we put before the Lord last week in those trees. But before we do, I want us to just sit in his presence right now. 
I want you to, to, to go ahead and worship him right now like maybe you never have. Maybe it's been a while since you've worshipped him, worshiped him at his feet like the, the woman who washed his feet with her hair. Y'all, when you worship Jesus with, with your tears, man, something happens. You'll begin to start seeing things the way God sees things. And the answer to your problem is probably going to come. Because he has the answers to every problem. He has the solution. The solution is Jesus. And as you begin to worship him, he will give you fresh perspective. Amen. As we're sitting worshiping him, I, I don't want to close this service without giving somebody the opportunity to respond to what God is doing in this place. If you're sitting there and right now, in your heart of hearts, you feel that you're not right with God. It's that simple. If you feel guilt and shame and condemnation, and you've, you've never had that moment where you ask God into your life, or maybe you have, but it's been a long time ago and you're away from Him and you need to complete restoration, man, why let this moment pass you by? And if that's you, I want to ask you to do something major. Might be one of the most hardest, scariest things you've ever done. But everyone, this is it's not about anybody else. Everyone's praying. We have our eyes closed. This is your moment. I want you to simply just stand up. Right where you are right now. You know, we do a lot of crazy things for the devil. I did a lot of crazy things when I was under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Why can't you do one crazy thing for the kingdom of God? To stand for your faith. If he's speaking to you right now, and you may say, why do I have to stand? I, I say you have to stand because Jesus, this guy we've been talking about all morning, he went to a cross, was beaten, broken, beyond recognition, hung naked on a cross for you and for me so that we could be made not guilty and promise eternal life. That's why I say you have to stand. So I'm going to give you a few more moments. If that's you, man, please do not leave here the same. This can change your life. Hallelujah. Well, God, we thank you, Father, for who you are. God, we can't begin to worship you enough. God, I'm so excited to enter into your presence here in a moment. As we're all going to, Father, we're going to lift up these prayers and petitions, God, that we've laid before you. God, I know your presence has the ability to change things. Not just change, transform things. In Jesus' name, I ask this in Jesus' name.